What is good, everyone? We are on episode number seven, season two of The Truth and Love. Yes, that's right. Here at The Truth and Love, we always have to credit first that we truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He died and rose from the dead three days later, later <laughs> shedding his blood once and for all so people would not have to drink human and baby blood and eat their penal glands and have fake eternal life. Okay? That's why we are then given real, full, eternal life. Now, we don't press our faith and beliefs upon anybody. We're just here to prov provide the facts with the emotional stories. Okay? We're here to make sure it all correlates together. Now, of course, we need to credit the American Presidency Project. Why? Well, this is because the American Presidency Project is the exact place we were able to get our executive orders. I mean, besides other locations, we tracked it back there, showing that it has other government documents in there besides the executive orders that presidents have written. That's where we decide to leave it as the resort to where we got our information. And of course, after we're done with that, we're going to go into long-term generational wealth. And then we're going to give you that those two free books, because we missed that one free book from our last podcast. So, with that being said, we are going to say the Declaration of Independence, not the full text, but first couple of sentences. It says, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth that the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's right. We are the governed. The people. Everyone that works together. Those that don't work together and want to destroy the country, we will gladly mow them down. Gladly. Because there's no reason for lawlessness. only reason it's there is because... Many reasons. Mainly mind control. That's one of the reasons. But we're not going to talk about mind control. We're going to talk about three different executive orders. So we're going to finish up with our executive order 11005 and 11049 for JFK. 
Excuse me. And then we're also going to end off with number 11051. And of course, Executive Order 11051 was amended by Executive Order 13753, which we will get into. We're going to get into these executive orders. But we're going to the root causes and moving towards the ones that are connected. A 11005 is assigning emergency preparedness functions to the Interstate Commerce Commissions, or Commission, which literally is control of interstate commerce. By virtue of the authority vested in me as President of the United States, including authority vested in me by Reorganization Plan Number 1 of 1958, 72-1799, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1. Scope. Interstate Commerce Commission, here and after referred to as the Commission, shall prepare national emergency plans and develop preparedness programs covering railroad utilization, reduction of vulnerability, maintenance, restoration, and operation in an emergency, motor carrier utilization, reduction of vulnerability, and operation in an emergency, inland waterway, utilization of equipment, and shipping, reduction of vulnerability, and operation in an emergency, excepting, in, <laughs> excepting the St. Lawrence Seaway, which means except the St. Lawrence, Lawrence Seaway, and also provide guidance and consultation to domestic surface transportation and storage industries, as defined below, regarding emergency preparedness measures, and to states regarding development of their transportation plans in assigned areas. These plans and programs will be designed to develop a state of readiness in these areas with respect to all conditions of national emergency, including attack upon the United States. Meaning now that they have all the other stuff locked down. Now that they, now they have the uh, traffic locked down. Section two, definitions. As used in this order, domestic surface transportation and storage means rail, motor, and inland water transportation facilities and services and public storage. Public storage as used herein includes warehouses and other places which are used for the storage of property belonging to the to persons other than the persons having the ownership or control of such premises. Inland water transportation includes shipping on all inland waterways and Great Lakes shipping engaged solely in the transportation of passengers of car passengers or cargo between United States ports on the Great Lakes. Specifically excluded for the purposes of this order are petroleum and gas pipelines, petroleum and gas storage agricultural and food resource storage, including the cold storage of food resources, the St. Lawrence Seaway, ocean ports and Great Lakes ports and port facilities, highway streets, roads, bridges, and related appurtenances, maintenance of inland waterways, and any transportation owned by or pre-allocated to the military. Okay, I'm going to reread that for you. Because I know it literally does not make sense because they mixed the words around. And they do that on purpose because they don't want people to understanding what's really happening. Okay. It says specifically excluded for the purposes of this order. Everything that we went over 
that says our petroleum and gas pipelines and so on, okay, that is excluded because all that that we talked about there has already been stated in previous executive orders. So if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it. <laughs> but if you have, don't worry about it. You know which, you know where you're at. Now, Section 3 has letters A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. So we're going to go through these. Section 3 is transportation functions. The commission shall, A, requirements. Periodically assemble, develop as appropriate, and evaluate requirements for domestic surface transportation and storage in an emergency, taking into account estimated needs for military as well as civilian purposes. Such evaluation shall take into consideration distribution of requirements under emergency conditions. Meaning they're requiring them to move about the traffic system themselves however they want. B. Resources. Periodically assess assigned resources available from all sources in order to estimate availability under an emergency situation. Analyze resource estimates in relation to estimated requirements in order to identify problem areas and develop appropriate recommendations and programs. Provide data and assistance before and after attack for national resource evaluation purposes of the Office of Emergency Planning. Hmm. Curious. Control the resources for these places. C. Claimancy. Prepare plans to claim material, equipment, manpower, supplies, and services needed to carry out assigned responsibilities and other essential functions of the commission before the appropriate agency and work with such agencies in developing programs to ensure availability of such resources in an emergency. Basically, they have claim over what they're doing. Letter D, priorities and allocations. Prepare plans for the allocation of the use of domestic surface transportation and storage by operators and users and to administer such priority systems as may be necessary to ensure expeditious, expeditious movement of essential freight and passengers, including designation of priorities on traffic and transit through port areas between domestic service points, subject to determination of de designated authorities as to degree of essentially and relative priority of the activity served. Okay, basically this just talks about their priorities and what they need to take care of about it. E, control. <laughs> How blatant is that? Develop plans with appropriate private transportation and storage organizations and associations for the coordination and direction of the use of domestic service transportation and storage facilities for movement of passenger and freight traffic. Meaning they get to control, exactly as it says, control the entire operation. Letter F, emergency operations. Develop a system for keeping informed as to operational conditions and capabilities throughout the domestic service transportation and storage industry, including intensities of chemical, biological, radiological, CBR, contamination along and on the appropriate ways and terminals and the consequent interdiction occasioned by it, and prepare plans to take such actions as are necessary to avoid conflicts, overcome bottlenecks, affect conversation, decrease waste, and speed turnarounds. Develop and maintain necessary orders and regulations for the operation of domestic surface transport, 
and storage industries in an emergency. Meaning they get to control how the emergency operations go. More control that they have. G, salvage and rehabilitation. Develop plans for salvage of domestic surface transportation and storage equipment and rehabilitation, including decontamination of appropriate terminals, rights of way, equipment, and shops after attack. Meaning they get to collect up all the debris and reconstruct it. H, natural, national program guidance. Develop plans and issue guidance designed to utilize to the maximum extent the existing non-military facilities, technical competence, and resources of the federal government, the states and local political subdivisions thereof, and non-governmental organizations and systems engaged in domestic surface transportation and storage activities to promote the effective and safe use and maintenance of transportation facilities, equipment, and services in an emergency. Basically, they get to have control over how the nation goes with the program of how traffic will then work. I, stockpiles, assist the Office of Emergency Planning in formulating and carrying out plans for the stockpiling of strategic and critical materials and items necessary to the maintenance of a domestic surface transportation and storage capability in an emergency. And the reason why I'm reading it like this is because they don't have commas for specific reasons. They only put it when it's different things, such as different, um, so like with letter H where it says transportation facilities, equipment, and services, they'll do things like that. But as in like a sentence, they do that for a reason, so it gives the individual not the ability to understand pace by pace. That'll be too much to take in. So that's why I'm here to help you understand this. But if you understand this as, as well as I do, cool, you're on board. It's great to hear, love it. Now, going on to letter J, economic stabilization. Cooperate with the Office of Emergency Planning in the development of economic stabilization policies as they affect domestic surface transportation and storage programs in an emergency. They get to stabilize how the economy is going. Problem Reaction Solution. Financial Aid, Letter K. Develop plans and procedures for financial and credit assistance to domestic surface transportation and storage organizations that might need such assistance in various mobilization conditions, particularly those resulting from attack. <laughs> Meaning they have the fluids to take care of anything that comes apart. Section four, cooperation with the Department of Defense. In connaissance with National Civil Defense Plans, Programs, and Operations of the Department of Defense under Executive Order 10952, the Commission shall A, B, and C. A is Chemical, Biological, and Radiological Warfare Defense. Develop plans to participate with federal, state, and local, and non-governmental chemical, biological, and radiological defense units in the detection and the assessment of chemical, biological, and radiological contaminants, and participate in plans of plans for decontamination operations. Meaning that, uh, yeah, wipe out people that are not a part of their New World Order system. Letter B, facilities protection. 
provide industry protection and guidance material adapted to the needs of industries concerned and promoted and promote a national program to stimulate disaster preparedness and control in order to minimize the effects of overt or covert attack on domestic surface transportation and storage facilities. Guidance shall include, but not limited to, organization and training of facility employees, personnel shelter, evacuation and relocation plans, records protection, continuity of, manu con continuity of management, emergency repair and recovery of facilities, deconcentration and dispersal of facilities and equipment, and mutual aid associations for emergency. Meaning that their facilities will always be there, what they need. And letter C, damage assessment. Maintain a capability to assess the effects of attack on all domestic surface transportation and storage facilities essential to safe and effective surface transportation in a national emergency, and to provide data to the Department of Defense. Section 5, Research. Within the framework of the overall federal research objectives, the Commission shall supervise or conduct research in areas directly concerned with carrying responsibilities, assigned emergency preparedness responsibilities, des designate, re <laughs> designate representatives for necessary ad hoc or task force groups, and provide advice and assistance to other agencies in planning for research in areas involving the Commission's interest. Section 6. Functional Guidance. The Commission, in carrying out the functions assigned in this order, shall be guided by the following. A. Interagency cooperation. The Commission shall assume the initiative in developing joint plans for the coordination of emergency domestic surface transportation and storage programs of those departments and agencies having responsibility for any segment of such activity. It shall utilize to the maximum those capabilities of other agencies qualified to perform or assist in the performance of assigned functions by contractual or other agreements. Interagency cooperation is basically they get to talk to whoever. B. Presidential coordination. The director of the Office of Emergency Planning shall advise and assist the president in determining policy for and assist him in, a, in coordinating the performance of functions and under this order, with the Total National Preparedness Program. Controlling the President. Letter B. Letter C. Emergency Planning. Emergency plans and programs and emergency organization structure required thereby shall be developed as an integral part of the continuing activities of the Commission on the basis that it will have the responsibility for carrying out such programs during an emergency. The Commission shall be prepared to implement all appropriate plans developed under this order, modifications and temporary organizational changes based on emergency conditions will be in accordance with policy determination by the President. Basically saying that, yeah, even though we control the President, we're just going to let him believe he has control. Section 7, Emergency Action. Nothing in this order shall be construed as conferring authority under Title Three of the Federal Civil Defense Act of 1950 as amended or otherwise to put into effect an emergency plan, procedure, policy program, or course of action prepared or developed pursuant to this order. Such authority is reserved to the President. Section 8, Redelegation. To the Commission is hereby authorized to redelegate within the Interstate Commerce Commission the functions here and above assigned to it. 
Section 9, prior actions. To the extent of any inconsistency between the provisions of any prior order and the provisions of this order, the latter shall control. Emergency Preparedness Order Number 15 heretofore, issued by the Director, Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization, 26 FR 838-839, is hereby revoked. Signed, John F. Kennedy, February 16, 1962. The last one really signed on that day, I believe. I think there's some others, but they're not really related to FEMA. Now, Executive Order 11049 is literally less than a page. <laughs> but it's providing for the carrying out of the Public Works Acceleration Act. Okay. By virtue of the authority vested in me by the Public Works Acceleration Act, approved September 14th, 1962. Public Law 87-658, herein referred, or excuse me, herein after referred to as the Act, and by Section 301 of Title III of the United States Code, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1. The Secretary of Commerce shall assist the President in the carrying out of the Public Works Acceleration Act, and to that end he shall a. receive and coordinate proposals from federal agencies for allocations from funds appropriated pursuant to Section 3 of the Act, and b. make recommendations to the President for the allocation of such funds. Secretary shall maintain such records of progress and accomplishments and shall recommend such actions by the president as are necessary to assure that federal responsibilities under the act are carried out expeditiously. Okay. Meaning the Secretary of Commerce will have control of the president and what he does with the funds by just being an advisor. And section two. Thereby is hereby there is hereby delegated to the Secretary of Commerce the authority vested in the President by Section 3E of the Act to prescribe rules, regulations, and procedures to carry out Section 3 of the Act. In prescribing such rules, regulations, and procedures, the Secretary shall include therein provisions to assure that a. Preference in employment on public works undertaken pursuant to the Act shall, insofar as practicable, be given to qualified lo local labor, and B, funds allocated under the Act shall be supplementary to other federal funds, which otherwise would have been expended in eligible areas as defined in the Act, and C, appropriate state and local agencies shall direct requests for federal assistance to the federal, federal agency administering the law authorizing such assistance. Basically, the Secretary of Commerce gets to do gets to have control over all ways of commerce of where it's going to through FEMA. In Section 3, federal departments and agencies receiving allocations of funds appropriated pursuant to the Act shall make such regular reports and provide such other information to the Secretary of Commerce as he deems necessary in order to carry out his responsibilities under this order and shall cooperate with the Secretary to assure that federal funds are expended in accordance with requirements of the Act and the rule and of the rules, regulations, and procedures prescribed pursuant to the, to the Act. John F. Kennedy, September 14th, 1962. So the others were in February. This was in September. See, really short. <laughs> Executive Order 11049. And now, we're going to go over Executive Order 11051. It's a little bit longer, so we're going to have a little bit more time to go over this. 
but it's very interesting as to why we're pu pulling this up. Because it's really it it really goes in depth. Why? Because they call they call it prescribing responsibilities of the Office of Emergency Planning in the Executive Office of the President. Meaning this is where this part is then instated with the actual FEMA and planning with the presidents in massive detail. There's more that goes into other details. This one is more of the start because of with FEMA being there. Now, with that being said, it says, Whereas national preparedness must be achieved and maintained to support such varying degrees of mobilization as may be required to deal with increases in international tension with limited war or with general war, including attack upon the United States. And whereas the national security and our continuing economic growth and prosperity are interdependent, appropriate attention must be directed to effective coordination of emergency preparedness measures with national economic policies and objectives. And whereas mobilization readiness and civil defense activities can be accomplished most effectively and efficiently through the performance by departments and agencies of the government of those emergency preparedness functions related to their established roles and capabilities. And whereas responsibility for emergency preparedness involves virtually every agency of the federal government and there is need to provide a certain uh, a central point of leadership and coordination in the executive office of the president. Now, therefore, by virtue of the authority vested as President of the United States, including the authorities contained in the National Security Act of 1947, the Defense Production Act of 1950, 50 U.S. Code App 2061 et sequence, the Federal Civil Defense Act of 1950, 50 U.S. Code App 2251 et sequence, and other authorities of law vested in me pursuant to reorganization plan number one of 1958, 72 stat 1799, and also including the authority vested in me by the provisions of section 301 of title three of the United States Code. It is hereby ordered as follows. Part one, scope. Section 101. Resume of responsibilities. The director of the Office of Emergency Planning, here and after referred to as the director, shall a. advise and assist the president in the coordination of and in the determination of policy for the emergency plans in preparedness assignments of the federal departments and agencies, here and after referred to as federal agencies, designed to make possible at federal, state, and local levels the mobilization of the human, natural, and industrial resources of the nation to meet all conditions of national emergency, including attack on the United States. Since uh, they already love to use lying and hypocrisy through the government, wouldn't be surprised as to having them do the same thing make people think that there's actually national emergency when there isn't, such as COVID-19. Excuse me. I had a little BS come out of my, my throat there. <laughs> anyway, uh, letter B, under the direction of the president, be responsible for the... Of, be responsible for the preparation of non-military plans and preparedness programs with respect to organization and functioning of the federal government under emergency conditions 
and with respect to specific areas of federal activity necessary in time of war, which are neither performed in the normal operations of the regular departments and agencies, nor assigned thereto by or under the authority of the president. Just saying that we're allowing the president to think he has control with the organization and functioning of the federal government. C. Perform such other functions are as are vested in him by law or are by this order or by orders referred to in this order, delegated and or otherwise assigned to him. Excuse me, not and or, just or otherwise assigned to him. Letter D, perform such additional functions as the president may from time to time direct. So again, that part one is just a say of like the power that they have. Part two, general coordinating responsibilities. Section 201, general. Letter A. The director shall advise and assist the president in 1, 2, 3, and 4. 1. The development of planning assumptions and broad emergency preparedness objectives with respect to various conditions of national emergency. 2. The development of policies and procedures of determine, or to determine the relationship between available supplies of the nation's resources and the requirements of, a sil of military, <laughs> foreign, and essential civilian programs including those of civil defense. Three, the development of policies, programs, and control systems designed to deal with supply deficiencies and to meet effectively the most urgent requirements for those resources in the interests of national defense. And four, coordinating the governmental programs designed to achieve these ends. Letter A of four, the director shall advise and assist the president with respect to resolving any issues related to emergency preparedness responsibilities of federal agencies which arise between two or more such agencies. Basically, it's saying that the director is in control of the president. Section 202, resources and requirements. The director shall provide policy guidance to the heads of federal agencies having resource, mobilization, or claimancy responsibilities to assist them in, one, the development and submission of estimated military and foreign, as well as industrial and consumer requirements. Two, the development of resource supply estimates. And three, the periodic evaluation of requirements estimates in relation to estimates of availability of resources from all sources. Meaning they have control over all the resources and they make the requirements. Section 203. Central Program Determination. Central Program Determination of Section 203, the Director shall develop an overall emergency system for reaching central program decisions for the utilization of resources on the basis that he will have the responsibility for making such central decisions in the initial period of an emergency. The system shall include uniform criteria and procedures for a. The development by each federal agency of the amounts and types of resources which it must claim in order to meet the requirements of its planned programs. B. The central consideration of the supply requirements evaluations of planned programs. C. The central determination of major resource utilization programs under varied conditions of national emergency on a related 
urgency, basis, and central direction for the adjustment of agency programs consistent with such determinations and D, the decentralization of controls if required by emergency conditions. Meaning they have control of the control panel is what they're talking about for the time being. That's why it says utilization of resources on the basis that he will have the responsibility for making such central decisions, central decisions in the initial period of an emergency. Meaning they're going to have this individual just there for the so-called emergency for however long they want to have it. Section 204, Control Systems. The director shall develop policies and procedures for the coordinated application by federal agencies in time of emergency, of priorities, allocations, and other resource control and distribution systems, including a system, of the, including a system for the rationing of consumer goods for the conduct of approved major programs. Including a system for the rationing of consumer goods? Oh my goodness, control over the food even more. But it's not just that. It's control over all that stuff. Allocations, priorities, emergency, so on. Section 205, research. The director shall develop, maintain, and conduct a central research planning program for emergency preparedness purposes. The director shall maintain, with the participation and support of federal agencies, Concerned at national resources evaluation capability for predicting and monitoring the status of resources under all degrees of emergency, for identifying resource of deficiencies in feasible production programs, and for supplying resource evaluations at national and subordinate levels to support mobilization, base planning, continuity of government, resource management, and economic recovery. Meaning, they get to research everything. And the research that they go to is all the other executive orders that we did just go over previously, which went from 10990 to 11,005, skipping a few within the 1009 section. But this is just to say that this is a complete control over all of those. Section 206, Dispersal and Protection of Facilities. A, the director, after consultation with the appropriate federal agencies, <laughs> shall advise the president concerning the strategic relocation of industries, services, government, and economic activities, the operations of which are essential to the, na to the nation's security. He shall coordinate the efforts of federal agencies with respect to the application of the principle of geographic dispersal of certain industrial facilities, both government and privately owned in the interest of national defense. So this is just saying the director has the ability to advise the president, has control of the president after consulting with appropriate federal agencies, meaning that they're going to use things like the CIA, FBI, Council on Foreign Relations, all those different things, you know. B, the director 
under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Number 10421 of December 31st, 1952, shall perform functions in respect of the physical security of facilities important to the national defense. Okay, we did go over 10421, which was physical security to FEMA. So this was by Truman before JFK signed into the FEMA um, executive orders. Now, because that was a part of letter B, going into letter C, in addition, the director shall review all measures being taken by the federal agencies with respect to the physical security and protection of facilities important to defense mobilization, defense production, civil defense, or the essential civilian economy, including those under the provisions of emergency preparedness assignments to such agencies, and shall recommend to the president such actions as are necessary to strengthen such measures. Basically saying, in addition, we're going to control the president either way. Section 207. Civil Defense. A. Under authority of the provisions of Section 2 of Executive Order Number 10952 of July 20th, 1961, and as there prescribed, the Director shall advise and assist the President and shall perform other functions in respect of civil defense. Letter B. Under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10958 of August 14, 1961. The director shall advise and assist the president with respect to the stockpiling of food and medical supplies. All right. Letter A literally is just an executive order where they have the ability to control the president from executive order number 10952. Under executive order 10958, they have the authority to move in accordance with the provisions of stock, the stockpiling of food and medical supplies. So controlling that. And letter C, the director shall advise and assist the president with respect to the need for stockpiling various items essential to the survival of the population. Additional to food and medical supplies and with respect to programs for this acquisition, storage, and maintenance of such stockpiles. Section 208, Federal-State Relations. Letter A, the director shall represent the president in working with state governors to stimulate vigorous state and local participation in emergency preparedness measures. B, he shall provide, basically saying for letter A, we're going to control the states and the local, local <laughs> localities. Letter B, he shall provide advice and guidance to the states with regard to preparations for the continuity of state and local civilian political authority in the event of nuclear attack on the United States, which shall include, but not limited to, programs for maintaining lines of succession to office, safekeeping of essential records, provision, of alter provision for alternate sites of government, the protection and effective use of government resources, personnel and facilities, and interstate compacts and Reciprocal legislation relating to emergency preparedness. So letter B is really just stating that 
he's going to have power over the states and the civilian population as much as possible. The director. Now, letter C, he shall assist the president in achieving a coordinated working relationship between the various elements of state governments and the federal agencies to which specific emergency preparedness functions have been assigned pursuant to statute or executive order. Letter D. The civil defense activities involved in the functions prescribed by the foregoing provisions of this section shall be carried out in accordance with the provisions of Section 2, Executive Order Number 10952 of July 20th, 1961. Okay, that's just stating that the Executive Order 10952 has precedence over what's taking place for Executive Order 11051. Section 209, Review and Evaluation. The Director shall from time to time furnish the President overall reports and recommendations concerning the emergency preparedness programs, including the state of preparedness of federal, state, and local governments to carry out their emergency functions. Again, having control over what the president will really do. Part 3, Special Emergency Planning Responsibilities, Section 301, General. Under the direction of the president, the director shall have primary responsibility, one, for planning assumptions and broad non-military emergency preparedness objectives, two, for planning the non-military organization and functioning of the federal government in time of national emergency, Three, for developing an association with interested agencies, the emergency planning, including making recommendations to the president as the appropriate roles of federal agencies in currently and unassigned matters, such as, but not necessarily limited to, economic stabilization, economic warfare, ec- emergency information, and wartime censorship. Ha! Check it out. Section number... Section 301 of Part 3, Special Emergency Planning Responsibility, General, for Number 3, for developing an association with interested agencies, the emergency planning, including making recommendations to the President as to the appropriate roles of federal agencies and currently unassigned matters, such as, but not necessarily limited to, economic stabilization, economic warfare, emergency information, And wartime censorship? Wartime censorship? Are you serious? What? Yes. Wartime censorship. They're calling what we're doing wartime censorship. They're using this executive order on us. Number four. For planning... For the emergency mobilization of telecommunications resources, and five, for the development of non-military policies and programs for use in the event of enemy attack on the United States designed to restore the national defense potential of the nation. So really, they're having also number five saying that, oh yeah, and if they're trying to bring things back into order, we will destabilize it one way or another. So it doesn't mess up our plans. Uh, Section 302. It's just more interesting, isn't it? Emergency organization. The director in consultation with the director of the Bureau of Budget shall plan for the organization and functioning of the federal government in an emergency. 
including provisions for the central direction of all emergency mobilization activities and the creation of such emergency agencies as may be required for the conduct of emergency activities, including those within the normal jurisdiction of existing agencies. Plans shall provide for maximum practicable, <laughs> practicable reliance <laughs> to be placed on existing federal agencies with competence in emergency operations, and as best may be, shall be harmonious with related operations of the government as a whole. They even get to organize the entire country, from the poorest area of the country in the United States to the government. Everything. Section 303, Emergency Authorities. The director shall provide for the prompt exercise of federal emergency authority through the advanced preparation of such proposed legislation, executive orders, rules, regulations, and directives as would be necessary to put into effect opera operating programs appropriate to the emergency situation. Meaning, they have control of the emergency and what's happening with the executive orders, and exactly in detail they have control of it. Section 304, Continuity of Federal Government. The director shall develop policies and plans to assure the community of essential federal government activities through programs to provide for lines of succession to office, safekeeping of essential records, alternate sites for government operations, and the protection and effective use of government resources, personnel, and facilities. Meaning, they get to redesign the government. Through continuity of federal government, section 304. Yes. Literally stating there. Section 305, Executive Reserve. The director under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10660, February 15th, 1956, shall develop policies and plans for the provision of an executive reserve of personnel capable of filing as executive positions in the government in time of emergency. Meaning that Executive Order 10660 gives exact authority to create more backing control of the reserves. The backing control of it. Section 306, Emergency Telecommunications. The director shall be responsible for, one, planning for the mobilization of the nation's telecommunications resources in time of national emergency, and two, carrying out under the authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10705 of April 17, 1957, the functions thereby delegated to or otherwise assigned to him. Section 307. Okay, 306 was just talking about control of the telecommunications. Section 307, post-attack recovery. <laughs> This gets better, doesn't it? Under the direction of the president, the director, with the cooperation and assistance of the federal agencies, shall develop policies, plans, and programs designed to provide for the rapid restoration after an attack on the United States of a national capability to support a strong national defense effort. 
bing, they get to back up all their executive orders of anything happens, we'll still get it taken care of and restructured out. Part 4. Current Management Responsibilities, Section 401. Defense Production. Under the authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10480 of August 14, 1953, the Director shall perform the functions thereby delegated or otherwise assigned to him. Okay. Taking executive orders from the past that really had no precedence with FEMA, what they were doing, and implemented indefinitely into the future executive orders. Section 402, Strategic and Critical Materials Stockpiling. There is letter A, B, and C. Letter A, there are hereby delegated to the director of all those functions under the Strategic and Critical Materials Stockpiling Act, 50 United States Code, 98 at sequence. Under Section 4H of the Commodity Credit Corporation Charter Act, 15 U.S. Code, 714BH, and under Section 204F of the Federal Property and Administrative Services Act of 1949, 40 U.S. Code, 40. 485F, which were transferred to the President by the provisions of reorganization plan number one of 1958, 72, stat 1799. I know that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Basically, it's saying that uh, hereby delegated to the director all those functions under the Strategic and Critical Material Stockpiling Act, meaning going from there on, all those enforce the director of what he's able to do. Letter B, the director under the provisions of said strategic and critical materials stockpiling act shall determine which materials are strategic and critical and the quality and quantity of such materials which shall be stockpiled and shall direct the general services administration in the purchase, storage, refinement, rotation, and disposal of materials. He gets to have control of all the materials. Letter C, the director is hereby designated as an, as an agency under and for the purposes of the provisions of Clause B of Section 5 of the Strategic and Critical Materials Stockpiling Act, 50 U.S. Code 98D, Clause B, and accordingly in the event of an of enemy attack upon the United States, the director is authorized and directed to order the release by the Administrator of General Services of such materials from stockpiles established under the, the said act in such quantities for such uses and on such terms and conditions, as the Director D determines to be necessary in the interests of the national defense. Meaning they're going to have some backup in their reserve piles. They're not just going to lay it in a vault. <laughs> what do you think this is? Tron. <laughs> Section 403, Supplemental Stockpile. The Director, under authority of the provisions of Section 4. D2 of Executive Order Number 10900 of January 6, 1961, shall determine from time to time the materials to be contracted for or purchased for a supplemental stockpile with foreign currencies pursuant to the Agricultural Trade Development and Assistance Act of 1954, 7 U.S. Code 1704B. Sec Section 404 Imports. Threatening the national security. 
is letters A and B. Letter A, the director under the authority of, and in accordance with the provisions of Section 2 of the Act of July 1st, 1954, 68 Stat 360, 19 U.S. Code 1352A, shall make appropriate investigations of the effects of imports on the national security and shall advise the president of any case in which the director is of the opinion that an article is being imported into the United States in such quantities or under such circumstances as to threaten to impair the national security. Okay, letter A. Literally is just saying they have the power to do what they can do even more. There's different codes, United States code law that they use throughout different parts of their executive orders for pertaining to specifically certain areas. So that way it's not mixed up and it lessens their liability. Letter B, the director, under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Section 3D of Executive Order Number 10582 of December 17, 1954, shall furnish advice to procuring agencies with respect to the rejection of bids or offers to furnish materials of foreign origin on the ground that such rejection is necessary to protect essential national security interests. Meaning they get to talk to whoever. Section 405, Disaster Relief. The director, under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10427, January 16, 1953, and Executive Order Number 10737 of October 29, 1957, shall exercise authority under the Act of September 30, 1950, entitled An Act to Authorize Federal Assistance to States and Local Governments in Major Disasters and for Other Purposes which is 42 United States Code 1855 at sequence. Meaning they get to have the authority over the states and local governments. Section 406, Telecommunications. Under authority of and in accordance with the provisions of Executive Order Number 10995 of February 16, 1962, the director shall perform functions in respect of telecommunications. And this, my friends, is where we're going to pause for a brief moment and hear from a word of our sponsor. <laughs> yes, I know I'm the sponsor. <laughs> but it's, hey, come on. It's, it's, it's a free podcast you get to do yourself. And you get to make it your, to add yourself. So I'm sponsoring out here. I'm working. I'm hustling people. No, I'm not hustling people. I'm hustling, calling you people. I'm not calling... And meaning you people like Tropic Thunder. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to take a short break. Be right back. Stay tuned. We're going to finish up with the executive order. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to finish up with part five. And as well as parts six. And going into also the rest of that. There's only a couple parts left. So. Part five is general provisions, section 501, all right? The rules and regulations. In carrying out his responsibilities under this order, the director is authorized to issue such rules and regulations and directives consonant with law and executive order as he deems necessary and appropriate to the functions involved. 
meaning the director gets to make the rules and regulations. Section 502, boards and committees. Director is hereby authorized to establish in headquarters and in the field such boards and committees as he deems necessary to advise him in the conduct of activities outlined herein. Basically, the illustrious council gets to step in and be like, hey, what's good? Section 502, remember? <laughs> Section 503, certain additional authorities. Letters A and B. Letter A, there are hereby de delegated to the director all those new all those now existing functions under the National Security Act of 1947, which were transferred to the president by the provisions of reorganization plan number one of 1958, 72 stat 1799. Letter B, in performing the functions under the Federal Civil Defense Act of 1950 assigned to him and subject to applicable provisions of executive orders, the director is authorized to exercise the authority conferred by Title IV of that act. Foregoing provision of this subsection shall not be deemed to derogate from any authority under Title IV heretofore available to the Secretary of Defense. Meaning this is additional law that they've added on top of it. Section 504 reports the director is authorized to require from federal agencies such statistical data and, and progress reports at such intervals as he deems necessary to discharge his responsibilities under his under this order. Meaning they get to control what's reported and what they want to hear and everything. Section 5. Prior actions. All orders, regulations, rulings, certificates, directives, and other actions relating to any function affected by this order shall remain in effect, except as they are inconsistent herewith or are hereafter amended or evoked under proper authority, and nothing in this order shall affect the validity or force of anything done under, under previous delegations or other assignments of the functions affected by this order. Meaning anything that happens in the past and moving forward into the future with anything happening in the past, that's whatever final authority takes precedence, they will not be held liable. Section 506, Executive Order 11030. Okay, we didn't go over that one because we didn't really need to, but for this section, they're just referring to it. It says, nothing in this order or in any order amended by this order shall derogate from the provisions of Ex Executive Order number 11030 of June 19th, 1962. This is just instating further power for the director. Section 507 references to orders and acts. Except as may for any reason be inappropriate, references in this order to an other executive order or to any act and references in this order or in any other executive order to this order shall be deemed to include references thereto, respectively, as amended from time to time. Meaning that anything that's related to the executive orders one way or another can be amended at any point that they so desire. Part 6, Prior Executive Orders and Proclamations, Section 601, General Amendments, each reference to the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization or to the Director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization in the following is hereby amended to refer to the Office of Emergency Planning and the Director of the Office of Emergency Planning, respectively. Get this. So... In the following, is hereby amended to refer to the Office of Emergency Planning 
and the director of the Office of Emergency Planning. All right. General Amendments. It's a reference from each of these executive orders that's amended to this executive order 11051. All right. There is in total, not kidding, 16 different executive orders, and we're going to go on them. Executive order number 10296, October 2nd, 1951. 10312, signed December 10th, 1951. 10346, signed April 17th, 1952. Penultimate sentence of section 2 only of 10346, meaning only part of section 2 of that executive order 10346. 10421, signed December 31st, 1952. 10427, signed January 16th, 1953. 10480, signed August 14th, 1953. Executive order 10494, October 14th, 1953. 10601, signed March 21st, 1955. 10634, signed August 25th, 1955. 10660, signed February 15th, 1956. Excuse me. Had some cough there in my throat real quick. 10705, signed April 17th, 1957. And if I didn't say 10660, it was signed on February 15th, 1956. Uh, 10737, signed October 29th, 1957, 10900, signed January 5th, 1961, 10952, signed July 20th, 1961, Executive Order 10958, signed August 14th, 1961, Number 16, Proclamation Number 3279 of March 10th, 1959, Section 602, Executive Order 1042, or excuse me, Executive Order 10242, Executive Order Number 10242 of May 8th, 1951, is hereby amended. All right, they're amending number 10242 by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. 1. By deleting from, from subsection 101A, thereof the following, upon the Director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization, here and after referred to as the Director, 2. By deleting from sections 101C, 101D, 102, 103, 104, 106, preamble, 201 and 301, the following, upon the director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization. 3. By substituting for the words the director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization at each place where they occur in the order and are not deleted or otherwise amended by this order, the following, the delegate of the president meaning they changed it from Director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization to the Delegate of the President, the Advisor. <laughs> so really getting in there as much as possible. Number four, by, submit, sub, excuse me, by substituting for the words shall, shall not be delegated, in subsection 101D, the following, shall not be re-delegated by the Delegate of the President. 5. By adding after section 106, 
new sections 107, 108, and 109, reading as follows. Section 107, the words, the delegate of the president, as used in this order, one, in the respective in respective functions under the act delegated or otherwise assigned to the Secretary of Defense, I mean the Secretary of Defense, two, in respective functions delegated or otherwise assigned to the Director of the Office of Emergency Planning, I mean the Director of Office of Emergency Planning, Section 108, the authority conferred by Section 401A of the Act to employ part-time or temporary advisory personnel deemed necessary in carrying out the provision of the Act and delegated by the provisions of Section 101A of this order shall be available as follows. 1. To the Secretary of Defense in respect of not to exceed 80 personnel, including not to exceed 20 subjects of the United Kingdom and Canada, and two, to the Director of the Office of Emergency Planning in respect of not to exceed 20 personnel, including not to exceed five subjects of the United Kingdom and Canada. Section 109, the relevant provisions of the, this part shall be subject to the provisions of memorandum of the President pertaining to conflicts of interest dated February 9th, 1962, 27FR1341FF. And you know what that means? You know really what that means? They're saying people from um, the illustrious council, the Rothschilds, from the United Kingdom, and people in Canada, the Vanduins, and uh, I believe the Russells could be mistaken on that one. But... That's the whole reason for putting in United Kingdom and Canada in there. And number six, by amending section 401 to read as follows. Section 401, the approval of the president is hereby given for the employment of retired personnel of the armed services pursuant to the provisions of section er, of subsection 401A of the act as follows. One, by the Secretary of Defense, not to exceed 20 persons. And two, by the Director of the Office of Emergency Planning, not to exceed five persons. 25 and all. Section 603, Other Orders. Executive Order Number 10260 of June 27, 1951, hereby amended by striking from Section 1 thereof the following Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization. The. Yeah, it really says mobilization, comma, the. <laughs> B, Executive Order Number 10346 of April 17, 1952, is hereby amended by substituting for the reference therein to the Director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization, and for each reference therein to the Office and Defense Mobilization, except that in the pen penultimate sentence of Section 2, the following, the Office of Emergency Planning or the Department of Defense, or both, as may be determined under the provisions of appropriate executive orders. Meaning they get to amend and substitute Executive Order 10346 with Executive Order 11051. And letter C, Executive Order Number 10421, December 31st, 1952, is hereby amended by inserting before the period at the end of Section 3B9, thereof a comma, and the following, including recommendations as to actions necessary to strengthen the program provided for in this order, adding a comma in there. Letter D, Executive Order Number 10529 of April. 22nd, 1954, is hereby amended by substituting for each reference therein to the Director of the Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization of the following 
the Director of the Office of Emergency Planning, or the Secretary of Defense, or both, as may be determined under appropriate executive orders. Okay, reason why I'm speaking like that is so that way you understand the difference, how they're making that subject in there. Letter E, Executive Order 10582 of December 17th, 1954, is hereby amended by striking from Section 3. Letter F, therefore the words from any officer of the government designated by the president to furnish such advice, and by inserting in lieu of the stricken words the following, from the director of the Office of Emergency Planning, in providing this advice, the director shall be governed by the principle that exceptions under this section shall be made upon, only upon a clear showing that the payment of a greater differential than the procedures of this section generally prescribed is justified by consideration of national security. That whole section is stricken out, replaced with, from any officer of the government designated by the president to furnish such advice. So the president gets to decide who gets to furnish advice and be like, get out. <laughs> Letter G, Executive Order 10789 of November 14th, 1958 is hereby amended by striking from Section 21 there of the words Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization. Section 604 supersedes orders to the extent that the following have not heretofore been made or become inapplicable, they are hereby superseded and revoked. Executive Orders 9981, signed July 16, 1948. 10219, February, signed February 28, 1951. 10269, signed July 6, 1951. 10438, signed March 13, 1953. 10461, signed June 17, 1953. 1054, excuse me, 10524, signed March 31st, 1954. 10539, signed June 22nd, 1954. Signed October 10th, 1955. Executive Orders 10773. Signed July 1st, 1958. 10782. Signed September 6th, 1958. And 10902. Signed January 9th, 1961. 11 Executive Orders superseded and revoked. Signed John F. Kennedy, September 27th, 1962. And that... Executive Order 11051, which was then amended by 13753. And we're going to go over the other one that I told you we were going to go over as well, <laughs> which is 12046. Or excuse me. Uh, yeah, 12046, as well as 12127. There's a few others we're going to go over, of course, but... 11051 is literally the last JFK executive order. He did a lot of executive orders for the for FEMA. But with that being said, of course, y'all are here for the long-term generational wealth, and we appreciate everyone sticking around till the very end. You know it, because we gotta help y'all out with building that long-term generational whole wealth. Yes. Yes. And, by all means, please, know this before we get into our econo economic patterns of the elites. 
we are putting in our disclaimer that we are not licensed financial advisors. We are not licensed attorneys. We are not licensed asset protection specialists. We are not licensed tax accountants, and we are not licensed tax attorneys. So if you do have anything that has to deal with those specific areas, please go speak to your specialists, and they will take care of your financial situation. Rather, you go to your strategists that take care of your personal finances than me, because I'm not licensed, and I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> so I'm not going to go through a book and be like, oh, I'm going to see how this does. Okay, got to do this, this. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So that's why I provide information that you all would understand that I know that is effective. Okay. Now, that being said, we're going to go over our stock pick of ICBC. And this is the other stock symbol, I-D-C-B-Y. Okay. The other one is I-D-C-B-F. So the only difference is the F and the Y. I had to look at that for a second. <laughs> the previous three weeks ago was $11.88 a share. It's now at $11.83 a share. And it, and even though it went down a few cents, you know, if you even if you lost that few cents or however many shares you put in, this is not to say that you lost, okay? This just means that it's on straight away for a low price before it takes off. Because where it's at is at the takeoff section, all right? It's at the point where it's going to be breaking out, just like a lot of these stocks that are related to the elites. Now, one thing that's actually very interesting that I'm going to talk about that's a tax portion that I'm reading from a tax book that I actually recommended from my previous episode in the first season. It's called Tax-Wise Business Ownership by Toby Mathis, who is one of the founders of Anderson Advisors and wrote the book Tax-Wise, as I have his fourth edition, and is a licensed and professional tax attorney and tax accountant. But here's what's really, here's what's really cool, because there's what's called Qualified Opportunity Zones and Qualified Opportunity Funds. Now, what is that? Well, it's one of the best things for real estate, all right? It's not good for, like, the dollars, you know, the dollar is pretty much worthless. I mean, you could still, yes, we still have purchasing power for the time being, but, you know. Anyway, it's called Opportunity Zones, so Qualified Opportunities. We're going to give an example. So, here's what qualifies as a quali Qualified Opportunity Zone. All right, Qualified Opportunity Zones are predetermined economically distressed communities wherein Theoretically, the investment of capital in new businesses or upgrades to existing businesses will create new job opportunities and tax revenue. Opportunity zones exist in all 50 states, and the zones were designated based on the recommendations of the respective governors of each state. More than 8,700 individual census tracts have been classified as opportunity zones. Now, Basic requirements for investing in a qualified opportunity zone. All right. So here's what's really important that 
we're not going to be going all over the information, but what we're going to do is go over an example of how it works. Well, we'll go over two examples. So that way you understand instead of me reading off what a qualified opportunity zone and qualified opportunity fund is. On August 1st, 2018, Jack realizes a $2 million... Okay, so before I say this, in order to recognize the full 100% exclusion on... Because there is an exclusion that you can do, you must sell your qualified opportunity zone assets prior to December 31st, 2047. The year 2047 is nothing more than the IRS's arbitrarily selected deadline for utilizing the tax benefits offered by QOZs, which is qualified opportunity zone. Anyway, example one. August 1st, 2018, Jack realizes a $2 million capital gain on the sale of an asset. For purposes of this example, assume that the entire $2 million is invested in a qualified opportunity fund. On September 1st, 2018, Jack invests the $2 million of capital gains in a qualified opportunity, or excuse me, in a qualified opportunity fund, and affirmatively elects to defer the gain. Jack's initial basis in the QOF investment is zero. He continues to hold the investment. On September 1st, 2023, Jack's basis in the QOF increases to 200,000, 10% of the deferred gain. So he's now at 2.2. On September 1st, 2025, Jack's basis in the QOF increases to 300,000, 15% of the deferred gain. On December 1st, 2026, Jack recognizes the deferred gain of 1.7 million as a long-term capital gain. His basis in the QOF investment jumps to 2 million. On September 1st, 2028, 10 years after his initial investment, Jack sells the investment for $8 million. He can elect to treat the basis as being equal to the fair market value or $8 million. Because the basis and the fair market value are both $8 million, no gain is recognized on the sale. Meaning, as a tax benefit. This is one of the best ways to save and invest for the long term. <laughs> but uh, you need to be hopping on this before that 2047. You might want to do it no later than 2037. But literally, not only doubled, quadrupled. Yes, quadrupled. Going from 2 million to 8 million, starting in 2018, ending in 2028. 10 years quadrupled his money. How about that? Not, not 2 million again, not 4 million, not 6 million, no, 8 million. Quadrupled that. <laughs> Example two on January 1st, 2019, Beth sells some Bitcoin for 1.5 million. Originally purchased Bitcoin for 500,000 in January 2016. So, she realizes $1 million of long-term capital gains. Also on January 1st, 2019, Beth sets up her own QOF and immediately funds it with the $1 million in gain. Note, Beth had, to, had up to 180 days to make this contribution to the QOF. She decides to pocket her original $500,000 investment, which is non-taxable. Get that. $1.5 million. Not even paying taxes. The QOF with 
which Beth manages and directs, has up to six months to invest the $1 million in a qualified property. However, being the go-getter that she is, Beth has already identified a great project within an opportunity zone. The QOF purchases a $500,000 property within a QOZ. The land has a basis of $125,000, and the existing buildings have a value of 375000 Based on the QOZ requirements, Beth must improve the buildings by spending at least an additional three seventy-five. Beth knows that based on the QOZ rules, she must have a written capital outlay plan for the project that earmarks the funds for the project and outlines that the required cash will be used within 31 months. Beth develops such a plan and decides to allocate 500000 for improvements to the property. Beth knows that allocating 500000 for improvements also puts her into compliance with, with the 90% rule for QOFs. Purchase price, 500000 plus improvements, 500000 divided by original contribution, $1 million, equals, equals the 100%. On January 1st, 2024, Beth's basis in the QOZ property increases by 100000 10% of the deferred gain. On January 1st, 2026, Beth's basis in the QOZ property increases by 150,000, 15% of the deferred gain. On December 31st, 2026, Beth recognizes 850,000 of the long-term capital gain. Her basis in the qualified opportunity zone property increases to 1 million. On January 1st, 2029, Beth sells the qualified opportunity zone property at its fair market value of $10 million. Went from a million and a half to 10 million. Went to that uh, a deca, <laughs> a decade, her investments from a one and a half to a 10 million. So now can you see why that's you want to real estate invest? Okay. Well, with that being said, all right, we're going to talk about also how to hedge against the dollar deflating into complete nothingness, into oblivion. This is what the World Gold Council states. All right, this was recently. Overall, and here's the thing, you need to be, for what I'm about to talk about, you need to be able to invest internationally. If you cannot do that, this, just disregard this. World Council, World Gold Council states, overall extensive analysis suggests that adding between 95 to 16% of gold to a Singapore-based institutional portfolio can deliver a tangible improvement to performance and boost risk-adjusted returns on a substantial long-term basis. Okay. Now, this does not mean that you are going to strictly Singapore to make your investment. <laughs> no. No, no, no. That's not what it means. Now, what it means is that you go for Aishan. Not, I'm not making fun of Asian. It's called Aishan, which is A-S-E-A-N. Okay. I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it is for the Asian sector of the world for investing that you are able to invest in. So that's what they are recommending towards. So you can invest internationally here in the United States, but those that cannot, don't worry about it. But you do want to invest in gold either way. Technically precious metals, but you want to be knowledgeable about that or find someone like myself that knows what they're looking at. I'm not a newsmatist. Or newsmatist, which is grading of coinage. I do not do that. <laughs> I can, based upon how I can look at it, 
but I am not an expert. So you cannot come to me and sell me your, your coins. I mean, you could. We could do that. There's no problem with that. But for an actual, real, full, in-depth expert, I have that knowledge, not the experience like some professionals out there that do to the extent. Okay? So you do want to find those that actually have that expertise because when they have that expertise, they're going to tell you about the grading system. They're going to tell you about how precious metals really work, how coinage really works with gold and silver and platinum, palladium, whatever else, but mainly those. Now, that being said, there are those two books, Gentile Folly, The Rothschilds, International Jewish Bankers and War Financers by Arnold Lease. This is a very hard book to obtain, okay? Very difficult, but when you get it, it's worth it because it does talk about uh, war financing with the Rothschild, with the Rothschilds, and of course the other one is Aftermath: Seven Secrets of Wealth Preservation in the Coming Chaos by Jim Rickards, and this one just talks about how to preserve yourself before the entire dollar collapses. With that being said, we do appreciate everyone listening in onto this awesome information, this awesome content. We do want to take the time to say thank you to everyone that listens in and gains this awesome information. We really do appreciate it. And of course, we always have to credit that Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ is King of all, is coming back, and that when he died on the cross, rose from the dead three days later, has blood shedding once and for all, gave eternal life and the relationship back to God. That is our belief here at Truth and Love. We are not here to press our faith and beliefs upon anybody. We're just here to provide the facts and the statistics that correlate with the stories together. So with that being said, peace out, everyone.